Good morning. I've told you this before, but it is so good to be up here and to watch, just watch y'all talking and interacting and meeting people and shaking hands. It's really a, a blessing actually to see that. If you're a guest today, first, second time, if you'd please fill out the registration, rip it off at the perforation and throw it in the offering plate. That's all we ask you to give us. We just love to have a record that you were with us today and we can send you a thank you letter. Now, again, we're asking you to read the bulletin, find the, all the activities are going out. We may point them out, but not gonna give you a lot of the details. We do have our membership class today at 3.30 in the building behind us in the Life Center uh, for those that would like to find out what we're all about in, um, in membership. And then if you, uh, basketball, the upward sports, you read the details, go online, whatever you wanna do. If you've got kids involved in that, that would be a, a, a great opportunity for them to get involved in the church and basketball. Uh, because it's only once a month, we'll announce Woman's Heart. That's this Tuesday. Um, so we'd like to encourage you to come, ladies, and be a part of that. And we would request that you let us know so that they have enough food for everyone. Um, and then, of course, Christmas coming up. You can read about what's going on on Christmas Eve day, which is a Sunday. And the, uh, I thought the display out in the foyer was just beautiful, yeah. beautiful. And um, I'd like to thank my wife, Nancy, and her helpers that did all of that. And if you haven't done it yet, go to the children's area and look at their display of what they've decorated. It's absolutely gorgeous. So you want to go do that. All right. Stan, welcome somebody around you to church.
everything changes, doesn't it? We live in a life full of change. And only God stays the same, helps us as we walk through it, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Sing it with me now. There is healing for the hurt. You're restored. We believe it. For the broken, we're expecting, we believe in. Oh, there's a breakthrough, we can see it.
Father, we're grateful, Lord. We're just so grateful that you don't leave us through all the changes that we walk through in this life, Father. You're right beside us, speaking to your spirit that lives inside us, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Now as we worship you with our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, we just praise your holy name, Lord, during this season of Advent where we're preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Use this for your glory, Father. Help us to build the kingdom with it in Jesus' precious name.
Thank you, Jesus, that you've come. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth and giving your life for us. God, this morning we pray as we hear from our pastor the words that you have for us. May you challenge us in ways that we need to be challenged. God, I pray this morning you would open the eyes of our heart so we can see you. And Father, if there's anything that we need to change in us, Lord, I pray this morning you would help us see that. Use this time for your glory, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we started a little mini-series. There'll be three sermons in this series. Um, we started last week talking about staying faith, having a faith that sees you all the way through to the end. And we ended that. It was a two-part, actually. And we ended that by talking about um, generosity in our giving. And we kind of want to pick up on that theme today and then go to a very familiar story in the Bible and make some application from that. But I just want, I want to tell you that, um, you, you know, it, it's because of your giving and a lot of you giving regularly, uh, hoping more will catch that spirit. But that's how we're able to make all these ministries from the, the children's ministry, the nursery, the bigger kids across, the youth tonight, uh, men, women, seniors, widows, all of that. Everything is because of your faithfulness and your giving. And I just want to tell you, it does not go unnoticed. I don't know who gives. I don't look at that. So I don't know who gives what, but I do know that as a whole church that, that you give. And we, and we want to thank you for that. So I'd like to tell you, please, on that January the 10th, that's a Wednesday, put it on your uh, cell phone to remind you or whatever you do to remind yourself. But that Wednesday at six o'clock over in the Life Center, we're going to have what we just call, uh, you know, who we are, come and see. And again, it's just to meet you. You know, when you get a church this size and the other service was not this big, but getting close, I just don't know everybody. And I know they don't know me other than seeing me up here on, on Sunday. And I'd love to be able to meet you. I'd love to be able to just see your face. So if you would come to that, we'll, have, we'll hope to have some little finger foods there for you. And, um, and we're not going to, we are not, I've instructed all the leaders, we're not going to try to uh, em, enlist you. We're not going to try to get you in our ministry. We just want to say, hi, we're so-and-so, who are you? meet you, and then if you want to initiate and say, I want to be a part of this, then they can answer. But they're, we're not, they're not to recruit and try to put people on the spot. So anyway, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. When I was a boy growing up here, I used to, um, out there where the mall used to be, that's where I used to quail hunt. Uh, there was a dolomite kind of a pit there, and um, it was all woods, and um, but I never, I never hunted with dogs. You know, you, you know, a lot of people around here they hunt with dogs. You know, they hunt, bird hunt or deer hunt. They have dogs that run. Well, I never did that, but I heard Jerry Clower. Remember him? I heard a story that he told about bird dog hunting uh, for birds. And of course, he made the point, and it's a true point, of course, he made it real funny, but the point was 
that only the lead dog that saw the actual bird, you know they, how they would point? Only the dog that was the lead dog that saw the bird stayed in the race. The other ones would get excited, you know, rah, 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 everybody excited because the lead dog was excited and running to something. And so the other ones would get exciting, but if it got difficult, they would fall away. And only that bird that saw it would keep going. And that is true after looking at some of that. Well, he made the point about that can happen in a church, that a church can be a movement of people and you get a group and, and that gets excited and they wanna serve the Lord and they get involved in it. And there's other people that catch that excitement maybe for a season, but they don't have staying faith that sees them all the way to the end. So as you know, we started calling this 14 months ago that the year 2023 would be all in. Follow Jesus and just get all in. Because we believe that our mission as a church is to make disciples of, Christ, of Jesus Christ. Bring people to know him as their savior and then let them learn to be a disciple. And we, we wanted, to, we talked to you about doing that with your families, with your neighbors and so forth. So having said all that, for those of you again that were here last year or maybe years before that, I ask you to let this be a time and a season of renewal where you refocus your eyes on what Jesus is wanting to do through you at this church. And then for the more than 100 of you that were not here, as I said last year, we've asked you to enlist, get on board, join up with us, come to that, come and see, and, and let the Lord lead you. All right, having said all that, because remember I, I told you last week that this is also gonna be kind of a state of the union, state of the church address, where I try to put some things about the church in there. Well, that was one of them. Got a couple of more later on in, in this, in this uh, sermon. But we're gonna be looking at someone today that I know you know about. His name is Zacchaeus. But there's things about him that I'm positive that you don't know. You're gonna see a man today that grasps the vision of Jesus. This to me is a remarkable story because Zacchaeus was one of the stingiest, most physically corrupt people in the Bible. And you say, boy, how do you get that? I'm gonna tell you in a minute. And yet I would say that he became the most generous person that we read about in the New Testament. Stay with me on that. I want you and me, I want us to see what he saw that shows us how to live continually with the Lord Jesus in front of our eyes so that we have a staying faith. How many of you have your Bibles? How many have a, a, a Bible with pages in it? All right, how many of you have a, that fake Bible with a uh, phone? No, I'm just joking. You can look at it on the phone, that's fine. It's still God's word. Luke chapter 19, and we're gonna look at 10 verses. We're gonna break them down and make application. Verse one and two. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now let's back up here so I can tell you, so you can get the whole force of, of this story. 
a tax collector is probably not going to be on anybody's list of favorite jobs today. And I read an article about a month ago where in this culture, uh, politically correct culture and this woke culture and renaming everything that the IRS, the IRS agent does not want to be called that anymore. It has become so unpopular that they want to be called, and this is a true story, a tax policy compliance director. Yeah, like that's a lot better. But truthfully, that's what they want. But a tax collector back then was not only someone that they didn't like, but they were considered to be a traitor and a thief. I'll tell you why. When the Romans took over a city or a people, they wanted to tax it very heavily. That's how the empire of Rome made it and did a lot of other big stuff. But they did it through heavily taxing the people that they conquered. But the Romans knew that if they just transplanted a Roman person into, like, say, Judea to collect taxes, they weren't going to get it done. They were not going to know where the money was hidden, who had what. So they would pick somebody from that area, a man like Zacchaeus, who was a Jew, in order to collect the taxes. And here's what they would do. They would say, now look, Zacchaeus, here's how much we want. And this is going to be sent back to Rome. Now, anything you can get above that, you can keep for yourself. And not only that, but they would give them a squad of soldiers to help them enforce the tax that they were putting on people. So these guys like Zacchaeus would extract huge sums of money from their own people to send back to Rome. And in the process, they would keep a bunch of it for themselves and they became filthy rich. And if somebody would not comply, they would have them with those soldiers beaten, thrown in debtor's prison, or even murdered. And they were doing, listen, they were, like Zacchaeus was doing this for Rome against his neighbors, against his friends, and even people that they grew up with. Can you imagine a worse person at that time? You need to know what this is about so you know the, uh, the change that took place. In a, the Jewish Mishnah, which is a collection of oral traditions, they said this, a tax collector is so loathsome that they should not even be considered human and that it is not a sin to lie to them because lying to an animal is not a sin. That's how they felt. That's how they felt. And by the way, Zacchaeus is not just a tax collector. He is a archetolonus. What did it say? Chief tax collector. So having told you all that, let me ask you this. How much did money have to have a hold on Zacchaeus' heart to make him live like that? No one betrays their own people naturally. This man is so possessed by the love of money, he's willing to lie, cheat, steal, and sell out his closest relationships in order to get it. Now, you got a little better idea who he is? He's not just that wee little man. Verses 3 and 4. 
And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. He was a short guy. So he ran on ahead of them, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was about to pass that way. You see, Zacchaeus was a man and a, you all know that, right? But he's vertically challenged. And now here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you've got somebody that's really short, you don't mind if they're standing in front of you in a crowd. But Zacchaeus, they weren't about to let that guy in anywhere. Think about it. I mean, he's trying to edge his way in, and it's like, get out of here, you disgusting pig. Get out of here. No, really. They wouldn't let him in. So he decides, wait a minute. I'm going to go up further where the parade's going to be. I'm going to climb a tree. Then I can see him. Pretty smart, but that's, that's what he did. Now, real quick. To those of you that I talked to for a minute last week who may be having some doubts or you're cynical about church or people in the church, don't let the hypocritical, judgmental, self-righteous people who call themselves Christians keep you from getting a glimpse of Jesus and who he really is. Maybe you've been turned off by someone in the church who's been hypocritical or judgmental, but write this down. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to get above the followers of Jesus. He had to climb a tree. And maybe you need to do the same, that you've got to get ahead of them and above them. Go to verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, I'm not sure if you catch how bizarre this is, but folks, at this time in Jesus' ministry, he was the most sought-after man in Israel. He was absolutely a celebrity. And now he's going to go to the most powerful city, the next to the most powerful, is Jericho. And I want you to think about someone like that going to, say, New York City. He does not ask to meet with the mayor of New York City. He does not ask to meet with the chief priest of the biggest church in New York City. He chooses the most despised, unpopular man who was there at that time. That wee little wicked man named Zacchaeus. You know, of all the names that we saw up there and that we just sang about, of all the names for Jesus, you know what my favorite has become? Friend of sinners. Because that's who he is. Jesus, what a friend of sinners, lover of our soul. Verse 6 and 7. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, who's the they? The Pharisees, the crowd, the people that were following Jesus. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Some of the translations probably have it a little bit more accurate. He's gone in to be the guest of a man that's a scumbag. Really? You see, there's a scandalous order to this story. In that day, if you went to somebody's house and you ate with them, 
and you shared a meal with them, that was a sign of intimate fellowship, and it meant that you're accepting them. You're accepting them. So Jesus, are you with me? Is extending this invitation to Zacchaeus before he cleaned up his life. Before he cleaned it up. Now we'll see in a minute that the changes that he made. And so the Pharisees in verse 7, like, what? He's eating with a guy who is, now notice, who is a sinner, not was a sinner. And they're all upset about that. So write this down. Jesus is teaching Zacchaeus the difference between the gospel and religion. Between the gospel and religion. Every other religion in the world says change and clean up and come and God will accept you. The gospel reverses that. And it says, God is offering to you acceptance. And if you will come to him and and obey him by coming to him, in the light of that invitation, you will change. That's how it's supposed to be. See, in the gospel, God's acceptance of me is not a reward for me cleaning up my life. God's acceptance of me is the power of, to clean my life up. Amen. You'll see this. Now watch, watch this. Verse eight and nine. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, he's, he's been invited, he came. He's been changed. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, what has come? Salvation has come to this house. Religion points outward. Says Zacchaeus, go do this, go do that, and you'll obtain salvation. But Jesus' gospel is Zacchaeus, salvation is here, has come to your house. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And, and, And Zacchaeus, if you will accept that, then in response to that, you'll change. Did you hear that? In response to that, if you really responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll change. You don't have a choice, you'll change. And oh, what a change it brought in this man's life. From what we just described about him and what kind of a man he was, here's what he says. By the way, he says he'll restore fourfold. The Levitical law said that if you, you can read this in Leviticus, that if you stole from someone and got caught, you were supposed to repay them and add 20% interest. There was only one situation that you would repay four times, and that is if you stole someone's cow. Now, because you know that that would cause utter financial ruin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I had to throw that in there. But what I told you is true four times if you stole a cow. But here's the point, folks. Zacchaeus is not giving this money back because he has to. He's doing it because he wants to. Because his life has been changed. And by the way, there's nothing in the Bible about giving away 50%. Like he said, that's just gravy. So if you'll write it down, nowhere in this story 
does Jesus give any command, direct command about money? Read it. He doesn't give any command about money. Zacchaeus does it freely. And as I told you last week, when they were building the temple, when they were building the tabernacle, it says that the Lord touched their hearts and they gave freely from their heart. Didn't say anything about how much. I mean, the guy that's willing to sell out even his family to get money is now giving it away. What has happened to Zacchaeus? Well, one, money no longer has a hold on him. Zacchaeus has found, folks, listen, like a lot of us have found, a greater treasure than money is Jesus and having him in his way. See, Zacchaeus saw that Jesus was a greater God than money could ever be. Jesus loved Zacchaeus. Money couldn't do that. Jesus forgave Zacchaeus and pursued him. Money couldn't do that. See, folks, money, money today says, look, you better not fail me. You don't want to leave me behind. You better not alienate me. You better be willing to sell out your own family to get all of me that you can and get me at all cost. I checked in my computer yesterday and I'm up to the 625 funerals that I've officiated in, in 42 years. Let me tell you something. I can't tell you the number of funerals that I've done where the people were mad at each other over money. I mean, and I don't mean just a little bit. I've had brothers and sisters walk out of their own mom or dad's funeral because a brother or sister that they didn't like walked in. And I, we've, there's a few we've had to call the police. Oh yeah. You know what? That's because of that thing called money. Psalm 16:10 says, in the Lord, there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And Zacchaeus got a taste of that. Now, with the time I got left, let me give you three quick lessons for us out of this story. Number one, money problems usually come from money idolatry. Money problems usually come from money idolatry. What do I mean? Idolatry is when something has become so important to you that you crave it, you depend on it, and you couldn't be happy without it. Folks, when we first met him, Zacchaeus worshiped money as the greatest thing that life had to offer. That's why he was really willing to steal, lie, hurt his own people because he loved it more than anything else. Now, I believe most of us in here, we're pretty decent folks, and we don't go to that extreme. But let me tell you, the Bible says in 1 Timothy, Paul says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I want you to make sure you hear this. It does not say that money is the root of all evil. It is not a sin to be rich. I mean, if a person's got a lot of money, in fact, the Bible says that God gives people the ability to get wealth. So it is not a sin to be rich. So don't look at people that have it and assume that they must be bad. But the love of money is where we get into trouble, to where we're willing to not obey God, where we're willing to not obey the Lord Jesus Christ or follow his precepts in the Bible. Then it becomes a problem. And that's how it is exhibited. Point number two, 
Only an experience with the gospel can change our heart's attitude towards money. Only a true experience with the gospel. Zacchaeus did not become generous because the Lord commanded him to. Read those 10 verses and tell me if you see a command anywhere in there. He became generous because he wanted to. Because he felt like the Lord had changed his life. And look at the times the word joyfully is in there. I think it's twice. One afternoon with Jesus did more than 10,000 sermons on giving. One encounter, one afternoon. The gospel does what me preaching a thousand series, a series sermon on giving cannot do. It can change your heart. It can make you love other people, wanting to see their needs met and, and see them introduced to the gospel, which is what we're trying to do as a mission of a church. Zacchaeus didn't sit through sermons on giving. And folks, me, and I think I could say you, even more than Zacchaeus. We've experienced the grace of the gospel more than anybody. Jesus' last statement explains the whole relevance of this story. Verse 10. All of that that we said in nine verses. Then he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I read it, I thought, Wow. He's talking about Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus come down, and salvation's come to your house today, and Zacchaeus saying, Lord, I'm a changed man. I'm going to give this and give this and give this. And the, and the Lord sums it up by saying, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, and Zacchaeus was one of them. And that's, this, that's our mission. Zacchaeus deserved to be despised, yet Jesus invited him into the warmth of his life and his fellowship with him. And this is what Jesus did for us. Get you to write these in. We deserve scorn. But God gave us grace. We deserve rejection. But God's invited us into fellowship with him. The Bible in Isaiah says he drank the cup of judgment so that we could have the cup of joy. Zacchaeus climbed a tree because he was despised. Jesus hung on a tree because he was despised for us. See what happened here, really? Jesus traded places with Zacchaeus. He got the salvation and the warmth of fellowship, and Jesus got the scorn of derision. Zacchaeus got the joy. Jesus got the pain. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The only way that my stingy little heart can change is by staying looking at the cross. As Spurgeon said, I believe we need to be looking at the cross at least once every day to remind us what we came from. And folks, you know, it, that, that giving we talked about, it will be 
not just finances, but our lifestyle will be a, a life of generosity. You know, I told the first service that when I was 12 years old, I was not old enough to get a job at a place. I would wash the windows of the older women, widows, and so forth that at that time were at the First Baptist Church in Crystal River. And I would wash their windows, $2 or $3, depending on how big it was. And when I would get home before Sunday, I would get on my bike, I would ride down to Coburn Supermarket. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'd ride down to Coburn Supermarket and I would change one of them dollars and it would, you know, get the two quarters and, and five dimes. And I would go home and I'd get my little envelope that said, I'm attending Sunday school today, check. I read my lesson, check. And I'm giving and I'd put two dimes in there and seal it up. I didn't want to do it. You know, I, didn't, I couldn't understand that. You could lock... You could get a lot back then with two dimes. And it was like, God, you didn't wash them windows. I did. I don't know why I'm giving this to you. But I did it because my mother taught me to do it. And I kept doing it. And here we are 60 years later. 60 years later. And, and still having done it all them years. And then there came a time. And I believe I was already... I was already saved in Colorado when it hit me that if I need to do this because I love the Lord. Because up, up until then, truthfully, it was more mechanical. You got to do this. But it was then I, it became, I want to do this because of having that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you meet him and experience him, you're going to fall so in love with him that you want to become like him. And as he was to you, you're going to want to become to other people. And again, you don't just become generous in your whole life for a season, but for a lifetime. Staying faith to see you to the end. And again, another thing I learned from my mom you're not just generous in one area, but in all areas. You, yes, you give of your finances, but you give of your time and you give of your, your energy and things like that. I don't know, there wasn't many Sundays that the pastor or somebody wasn't coming home to eat with us. And I've told you this before, there wasn't Thanksgivings or Christmases that all the single teachers in, in this part of the county that couldn't make it home were invited to our home. That's how we learned to give. That's how we learned to give. We saw it and we learned it. Number three, and I'll close. People who ask, well, how much do I have to give? Don't get it. How much do I have to give? How much is enough to get, the, get God off my back, Pastor? To make God happy with me. See, here's why we don't get it if we have that attitude. Because I told you last week, giving is not, it's not about the law, it's about love. And secondly, as I mentioned last week and explained it, God doesn't need our money. 
That's why he loves a cheerful giver, because he doesn't need it. And people who ask, well, how much do I have to give? They've got what Chip Ingram, that I like to listen to, what Chip Ingram calls a small pie syndrome. They think that their life is, is and what they own is like a one piece of pie, one pie, and it's so little that if I give God any, then yeah, I'm going to do it because he wants it and he needs it, but it's sure going to make me have a whole lot less. No, you don't get it. He's able and will supply you many pies. So instead of gospel giving out of the law, write it down. It's about worship and joy. Worship and joy. And for that reason, sacrifice is a necessary part of the gospel. You know, I told you I wanted to share some things that are transparent, but you guys are, again, you have been so good over the years. There's only been a few times in 29 years that I've gone home and I thought, oh gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get that money? How are we going to raise that? Only a few. Because y'all have been, and the ones that were here before you, so generous in your giving. We have a budget. We're actually, Kelly and I finished up a little bit on that. We'll be meeting with the leaders here before long and then present it to you for 2024. But um, the budget, you know, is items that, okay, the this ministry, there's so much budget in this ministry, so much and so forth. You know how that works. And there's always things in a building that's 22 years old that happen that you can't put in the budget. This last year, for instance, one of the big 40-ton air conditioning units went out. Now, that would be, if you will think about your house, if you have a five-ton air conditioning unit, that'd be like eight units at your house going out and having to buy them. That's what we had to do. You wouldn't be seeing the screens today if we didn't replace these months ago because it was getting so dark and so dark. So I asked Ke uh, Kelly to give me this figure. Just in that area alone and the, all the other air conditioning units, um, out of our budget last year, we had to pay out $81,248.47. That's not budgeted for, but you know what? We had it. We had it over here in reserve. Why? Because you gave it. You gave more than the budget. So we were able to keep putting it aside. And if you remember just a few months ago, we paid off because of your giving. We had money in that reserve enough. We paid off the loan for the building over there. Thank God. Amen. So I just want to end by praising God for you and, and thanking you for what you've done. But sacrifice. And by the way, God measures our generosity not by the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. When we were building our building out in Colorado from 82 to 85, came up with a slogan, it's not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Think about that. Because there's some people in here right now that if they gave $50, it'd be about the same as somebody else that gives 5,000 as far as what it meant to them of sacrifice. But everybody in this church ought to have something that they're willing to sacrifice. 
And so Gulf to Lake Church, we have work to do till Jesus comes. And we're asking you to all to come along and be a part of it in every area that you can. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, we just ask now that your spirit will move in all of our hearts and lives. I, there's not, a, Lord, I tried to think. There's not a word in the English language. I don't know that there's one in any language to express how I feel about you. Just saying I love you or thank you just seems to be so pitiful. But I'm gonna say it anyway, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that you've brought to congregate here. And just ask you to do in their heart, not because you need it or we need it, but because of their heart, giving their life to you. And they will be so much happier by coming to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing that together. God bless you all. Be safe leaving. Be kind in the parking lot. Have a good day.